Hello, everyone. It's Eves checking in here to let you know that you're going to be hearing two different events in history in this episode. They're both good, if I do say so myself. On with the show. Hello. Welcome to This Day in History class, where we dust off a little piece of history every day. The day was April 13th, 1873. On Easter Sunday in Colfax, Louisiana, a massacre broke out in the aftermath of a controversial election for the governor of the state. The conflict had started months before as a battle between white Southern Democrats who wanted to keep restricting the rights of formerly enslaved people and Republicans who advocated for reconciliation and Black emancipation. But on April 13th, the clash turned into a bloody tragedy. As many as 150 Black people were killed, while three white folks died. It was one of the deadliest incidents of racial and political violence during the Reconstruction era, or the period in American history right after the Civil War. Though the Reconstruction era was generally a tumultuous period, the massacre led to the Supreme Court case United States versus Cruikshank and encouraged the institution of the Jim Crow system. The Reconstruction era was fraught with violent racial incidents and domestic terrorism from white supremacy adherents. People who wanted to hold on to the values of the Old South and others who wanted to move forward with Reconstruction were at odds. And this was evident in the 1872 election for Louisiana's governor. William Pitt Kellogg, the Republican candidate, went up against John McEnery, who was nominated by a so-called fusionist coalition of liberal Republicans and conservative Democrats. The results of the election were widely disputed, and each side claimed to have the legitimate governor. President Ulysses S. Grant supported Kellogg and the Reconstructionist Republicans by sending federal troops to Louisiana. But the fight over who had political control continued. In Grant Parish, there were about 2,400 formerly enslaved people who mainly voted Republican, and there were about 2,200 mostly Democratic white people. There was debate over control of the courthouse at Colfax in Grant Parish, but the Reconstructionist Republicans ended up seizing it. So just in case the Democrats decided to take back the regional government, an all-Black militia set up at the Colfax courthouse. On the other side of the aisle, white Democrats organized a militia to take the courthouse. On April 1st, fusionist James W. Hadnot went to the courthouse with about 14 men, but they realized they couldn't take on the militia that was there. The Republicans responded by raiding their rivals' homes. News of the raids spread, and by the next day, battles had erupted. The fighting continued for several days, until it came to a head on April 13, 1873. Somewhere around 150 white people, including ones from white supremacist groups like the Knights of White Camellia and the Ku Klux Klan, surrounded the courthouse. About 150 black men ended up fighting on the Republican side, led by a Civil War veteran named William Ward. But their weapons were no match for the rifles, shotguns, pistols, and hunting knives that the white folks had. Some of the black militiamen fled, while others surrendered. The white people fired a cannon on the black people and eventually set the courthouse on fire. The black men surrendered. 
But the white mob wasn't done. They captured, beat, shot, and hanged a lot of the Black militiamen. By the end of the night, anywhere from 62 to 153 people had been killed. Three of those people were white, but it's not clear exactly how many Black people died. News of the massacre soon made its way around the country. In the end, 97 white people who had committed the massacre were indicted, but only three were found guilty. Nine were charged with violating the Enforcement Acts of 1870 and 1871. The Enforcement Acts, also known as the Ku Klux Klan Acts, were meant to protect the rights of Black people under the 14th and 15th Amendments to the U.S. Constitution. Lawyers thought it would be better to get the defendants on conspiracy to commit what we now consider hate crimes, rather than murder. But in United States versus Cruikshank, the Supreme Court ruled that the due process and equal protection clauses only apply to actions of the state, not individuals. It also said that racist intent had to be explicitly alleged for it to be actionable at law, and that the federal government could not prosecute people for violating Black folks' civil rights. Soon enough, segregation would start to become law. On April 13, 1921, a memorial to the white people who had died in the massacre was unveiled at Colfax Cemetery. An inscription on the monument read, Erected to the memory of the heroes, Stephen Decatur Parrish, James West Hadnot, Sidney Harris, who fell in the Colfax riot fighting for white supremacy, April 13, 1873. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If there are any upcoming days in history that you'd really like me to cover on the show, give us a shout on social media at T-D-I-H-C podcast. We'll see you here in the same place tomorrow. Hi, everyone. I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a podcast for people who can never know enough about history. The day was April 13, 1953. The U.S. Central Intelligence Agency authorized Project MKUltra, in which the CIA conducted experiments on people with the goal of developing drugs and procedures that could be used for mind control. In April of 1953, the Korean War was nearing its end. The war was won between communist North Korea and capitalist South Korea. The U.S. sent a lot of aid to South Korea and spent tens of billions of dollars on the war. During the Korean War, rumors spread that North Korea and the powers on its side, including the Soviet Union and China, were subjecting American prisoners of war to communist brainwashing. Newly appointed CIA director Alan Welsh Dulles wanted the U.S. to develop its own techniques for mind control to use on its captives. On April 10, 1953, Dulles gave a speech at the National Alumni Conference of the Graduate Council of Princeton University. In it, he said the following. The Soviets are now using brain perversion techniques as one of their main weapons in prosecuting the Cold War. Some of these techniques are so subtle and so abhorrent to our way of life that we have recoiled from facing up to them. 
Dulles said that the brain warfare that the Soviets were committing could turn people into, quote, humble confessors of crimes they never committed or make them the mouthpiece for Soviet propaganda. Talk of communist brainwashing spread through the U.S. media and politics. Three days after his speech, on April 13th, Dulles approved the launch of the CIA program MKUltra. The program's aim was to develop mind-controlling drugs for use on U.S. prisoners of war in response to alleged Chinese, Soviet, and North Korean mind-control techniques. The CIA looked to create a truth drug for interrogating prisoners of war and captured spies. It also wanted to develop drugs that would render CIA agents immune to enemies' mind-control techniques. In addition to this, the agency sought to create a brainwashed, programmable assassin and figure out how to manipulate foreign leaders through MKUltra. The CIA's Office of Scientific Intelligence organized the project in coordination with the U.S. Army Biological Warfare Laboratories. Chemist Sidney Gottlieb headed up the project. Many of MKUltra's experiments involved the covert administration of LSD, a hallucinogenic drug. The drug was secretly given to CIA employees, U.S. soldiers, and psychiatric patients. Other techniques employed to alter subjects' mental states included hypnosis, radiological implants, electroshock therapy, sensory deprivation, verbal and sexual abuse, and isolation. Many of the experiments conducted were done without the subject's knowledge or consent. Some subjects volunteered freely or under coercion. Dozens of institutions, including universities, hospitals, prisons, and drug companies, participated in MKUltra. Not all academic researchers knew that the CIA was using their work for mind control purposes, since they were often funded through front organizations. After a member of the CIA Inspector General's staff learned about the program's experimentation on non-voluntary subjects, the operation was scaled back and had to follow new guidelines. In 1973, CIA Director Richard Helms ordered files on MKUltra destroyed. In 1975, reports from the Church Committee and Rockefeller Commission revealed to the public the existence of the MKUltra experiments. In response to a Freedom of Information Act request in 1977, the CIA uncovered thousands of additional MKUltra files. They were the subject of Senate hearings that took place later that year. At least one death is attributed to the project, but because of the circumstances surrounding the covert operation, its true impact may never be known. In 2001 and 2018, some documents related to MKUltra were declassified. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn more about history by following us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at T-D-I-H-C podcast. You can also send us an email if you have any questions or comments at this day at iheartmedia.com. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.